As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Well, thanks as always to the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. If you have a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it, here are the two least qualified people in the world telling you that the Norden Group of Salt Lake City uh, are the best folks to work with you for uh, for all of all of your needs in that department. Uh, I wish I could say I speak from personal experience, but I don't. So you know, but I, I would just like to thank um, Brent Cochran and the Norden Group for for their support of not just this podcast, but like cycling in this community in general. Oh they, my gosh. They volunteer time. They volunteer. They just do so much and, and, and they do it behind the scenes too. Oh yeah. I mean, like Brent, if I was doing what Brent was doing, you wouldn't, I would never shut up about it. Like you would hear, I would have my face on the Jersey and like, this would be Joe Draper factory racing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brent, Brent Cochran, they're doing way more than they need to. Yeah. For, you, know? you know, for their high school teams for, Oh yeah. yeah. Just really good people. You can't thank them enough. Thanks as always. So. And I understand that they're good at managing money too. And, and I'd, I'd hopefully like to know from personal experience someday, but I got to maybe stop buying bikes, pay off some student loans first huh? Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, stage two state. Yeah. Stage two. We'll get there when we get there. A um, uh, little bit of exciting bike news. I just want to start right out of the gates. We had what has become one of the biggest bike days uh, of the year uh, yesterday with um, Unbound uh, Gravel. If you're not familiar, Dan, do you want to give a little overview on, a, uh, on, on Unbound Gravel? Because it it's an increasingly big deal. So it was formerly called Dirty Kanza. It was, but called, first... it was called Dirty Kanza, and, and it's, um, a, it's, so it's, it happens in Kansas, and that was a reference to, it was like a, like a slang term. Because I was going to ask why that's why it's taboo now. Yeah. So it was it was kind of a slang term for the indigenous people that live out there that I think was used affectionately, but some of them approached them and were like, "This is not a term we're comfortable oh, okay. with. It doesn't cast us in a good light." And they were like, "Okay, let's change it." And then Garmin, I think, took over the sponsorship. So it's called Unbound Gravel now. But you may have heard of it as d- the Dirty Konza before, and it, it's been running for. I think over a decade, at least. It's been going for a long time, but as gravel's become a more popular discipline, it has become the premier gravel bike racing event in the world. I feel pretty comfortable saying oh, yeah. without qualification. It's yeah, way more popular than like gravel worlds or whatever. My insane hot take, we're what, you know, two minutes into this podcast. My insane hot take is that this is the second most valuable sponsorship event in the world behind the Tour de France. Oh, wow. If I was a marketing director for any cycling brand, and if you're listening, and I know you're not, but we'll pretend that they are, I would rather sponsor Unbound and the rider who wins it than almost any world tour team, almost any world tour rider. Like, 
it's it's a it's a well, big fat deal in the marketing world. I mean, it would be a less expensive sponsorship because it really doesn't need a whole team and a whole. Oh my yeah. gosh! Like whoever's sponsoring, like I don't know, like like FDJ or whatever these little like world tour teams are. They're pretty expensive and and like hard to sponsor. Like find the guy who's going to win Unbound. Find find the chick you've never heard of who's winning Unbound because the bike that they ride, I care about. You know, like I'm looking at that bike check on Bike Radar. So. It's a big deal. It's an insanely hard event. It's 200, and 200 miles, 250 miles, depending. Think, isn't it just 200? Just. I think for the men, it's 250 or something no, like that. I, I Maybe it's, it's 200. 200. It's 200. I should know this. I've you never done know. it, obviously. Um, and then, well, they have multiple lengths. So they have like a 25 mile race for uh, just the, for like anyone from the community that wants to do it. Um, the main event is the 200. And then they have like a 350 or something. Oh, do they? I and I was just seeing that. on Instagram that the last finisher finished in like 48 hours or something crazy. Um, it happens in Kansas, which we we think of as flat and is is truly mostly flat, but it is kind of a rolling course. It's I don't I don't know that it's ever that steep. Do you know Kansas? I've every time I've driven through Kansas, I just love it. It's I don't beautiful. I think Kansas gets a bad rap. It really I think does. Like Iowa is what we think Kansas or Nebraska is, or Nebraska, maybe. but I think Kansas. There are some really every time I've driven through. No hate to anyone who lives anywhere. Everywhere's valid, but like 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 people always talk about Kansas being bad, but I. It is pretty beautiful, right? Oh, I love Kansas. Every time I drive through it, I just kind of want to stay there. It's, 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 when I've driven through it, it's been green, it's been rolling. Um, it, it's a cool place. And like, we always talk about, like, I remember you saying one time, like, I don't get gravel bikes, just like ride a hard tail because you're in trails or whatever. But like, if you live out in Kansas, like your mountain biking opportunities aren't great, but your gravel opportunities are amazing. You know, like the amount of just like open farm roads and stuff that you can just go out and ride. I mean, you can, I mean, think about being able to do a five hour ride on gravel without seeing a car. Yeah, that would be I cool. I get it. And the races are a lot easier to organize than if you're having to stop traffic. And Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, like, we saw the tour of Utah go down and smoke a, a few years back. Like, I, I know, I get it. I know why. And like Unbound is the more attractive alternative to that. It's logistically way easier, I'd imagine. And from a sponsorship standpoint, people care way more about Unbound. You're even like, like our events here, like our premier gravel event in Utah, Tusher, uh, Crusher and the Tusher is like a pretty big deal, you know, even, mm. even worldwide. So um, big, really big deal. Um, I have to shout out local writer and uh, NICA Summit Devo alumni, Zach Carlton got ninth. Which that is, is crazy and insanely big deal. and really quick, like physically, anyone who, if anyone listening has rode this, I don't, I don't know if anyone did that I can think of, but to all the people who wrote it, good freaking job. If you just went out and did that as a bike ride, that's it's 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 probably comparable to point to point physically. By the oh, numbers. way more. It's way harder than point F- to physically. Point. I mean, there's the caveat is it's not it's not because point to point is like a technical mountain bike race, so it's kind of it's it's apples to oranges. But like physically, this is an insane. I would say I'd say this feed. is way harder. Yeah, probably hurts more. Would be my guess. And it takes longer. I mean, so yeah, yeah. So we uh, Zach Calton ninth place. I don't think Zach listens to this, but if you Are see you him, of course you, he doesn't. Yeah, I, I flatter myself by thinking he might but um crazy crazy and then we have to say too local boy keegan swenson finally got the dub this year he 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 was been beat on the line by by evar silk uh which was um uh a real heartbreaker for the utah fans because we love keegan we love watching our boy you know the guy who has all the koms and our trails just go and take it to world-class athletes but it in a seven-man sprint 
at the end of a 200 mile isn't that crazy a seven man sprint at the end Ouch. of a race that long which just goes to show how tactical gravel racing see i just too. start cramping thinking about that just thinking just can you imagine having to do a sprint at the end of an effort like that you know like it, when i'm at the end of my hardest big long rides which are like a fraction of this i'm like you know the only thing i'd sprint to is like a can of coke and a nap you know but uh keegan keegan taking the win in the men's and then and then carolyn schiff a german rider uh, winning in in the women's event, um, both of them just, I mean, is, kudos, chapeau, both just seem inadequate for an effort like this. So, huge ride by both of them. I would say if you're listening to this and you maybe if you're listening to this and you've done point to point five or six times and you're looking for the next challenge or something, do Unbound. Learn the world of gravel. It's totally different. It's kind of a nice way to ease into some of the tactical aspects of road racing without having to do road races i'd also say like unbound is is probably minimally dangerous compared to like a road race or something you know where you're getting up where speeds are getting up into the high 40s and 50s you're falling on pavement and stuff like gravel racing is attractive because i think the speeds are a little lower you know we don't see fatal crashes happening in gravel races there aren't any cars you know um i i can't recommend gravel racing enough like like i said if you're listening and you've the mountain bike calendars kind of become stale you've done all the events you're good at them you're competent everywhere like definitely would you would you agree or are you are you too mountain bike no loyal? no i'm i totally see the attraction to gravel i think i don't think utah is the best place no, for it but no, we don't have gravel here but, but i think i think that like picking some cool events in some neighboring states would be and then, like, there's Crusher, and there's like that one out in Vernal, like the di- Dirty oh, Dino. Oh, d- I've or heard something. really good things about that event. That's yeah, supposed to be super. Joe fun. Cochran's gonna do that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we know. I know some riders that have some pretty big gravel plans that maybe I'll talk to you about off mic. So. Ooh, it's a secret for now. But yeah, yeah. definitely consider it. Read up on it. Um, as far as uh, team news goes. Um, uh, Again, we're kind of moving into NICA now. NICA's started, right? Yeah, it's officially started. Uh, again, I just can't thank the coaches enough for just an awesome, albeit unusual season, but I, I think the kids had fun, and we made the most of a short, wet, cold spring. Yeah. Um, if this is your first year in the team, this isn't I'm a- kind of bummed. Like, it's it's not ideal. Like, it's it's tricky when, when trails aren't dry. There's only so much you can do. Um and at, like when we do, we usually start riding in what February, February, <laughs> like we ride in shoreline, you know? Um, but this season it was, it was into April before we were really getting on trails. Yeah. huh? So again, coaches, I, I, I really do hope cause I just love the long rides. I'm a big, anyone that knows me knows I love big long rides. That's what, Zach Carlton. Look at his Strava. That's why he got night. He's, he's, he's been yeah. doing big fat rides all so, the time. So I'm really hoping that our groups can, you know, at least the older groups especially can continue to do long Saturday rides, you know, as long as they don't conflict with races and obviously. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm hoping that's something that we, we do more of this season than we have in the past and I'll be planning mine and, and working with the other teams, but coaches, it's something that you can do. You can just, if you feel like there's something you want to try, a route you want to try out, you just get on your team snap, schedule something, and go do it. And of course, like we don't want to compete with Nika. Um, we want to supplement Nika. It's yeah. always been our goal. You know, we're not a Nika replacement. We're a Nika. We're a Nika supplement. Um, so, like for my group, and it's tricky because like my group spans several high schools that practice different times and stuff. Like, like our approach, if you're trying to figure this out, is like we're going to offer 
rides on multiple days and say, uh, if you have a Nike ride, go to that. But if you don't, uh, here's another option for you. You know, um, trying to be flexible, offer as many opportunities. Cause, um, you know, I know we say thank you a lot, but like the direct impact you are having on people's lives by coaching a Maybird team is huge. It's enormous. Like, um, you can't, there's, I don't think there's anything you could be doing short of like literally feeding homeless people in a line that's like going to do this community more good. So, you know, and I especially really want to shout out like our youth coaches. Oh, I was shocked at how awesome of a job they did this season. They are just like, like, and the, the, the kids that actually had coaching, I handpicked some of my, just the best. Oh yeah. And and these little kids that got to work with these coaches were so lucky to work with such cool, awesome, yep. fun people. And they just did such a good job. I'm, I, it was just, it's just such a success. Yeah. These kids know. really rose to the occasion and really like in a lot of ways, the coaches I'm most impressed with are these kids who are taking time out of their busy lives to go and, and, and pay it forward. It's really, really cool to see. Yeah. I can't thank them enough. They did a fantastic job. So. So yeah, just um, do what we can. Obviously, just it's as and this kind of ties into the topic today. Flexibility, adapt, you know, make it work. There's no one way to do things. So whatever works best for your group, get people out there. Um, of course, be safe. We're getting into the higher trails here soon. You know, um, I, I think that goes. I, I've had to have a couple talks with my boys too about risk assessment and not getting lost and getting back before sunset and not riding stuff you're not ready for and. Um, I'm just chomping at the bit to get up to the ski resorts and Park City and all the high alpine yeah, riding. It's opening up. It's getting there. I've learned to love Corner Canyon this year. That's been that's been my journey. Um, but uh, with that, I don't think there's anything we, we missed. I want to. I'm really excited to move into this topic. This yeah, is, I can't think of any. I yeah, I think yeah. we're I think we're ready to go. We're ready. So this um, uh, is is still relevant to me, but especially in the past four or five years, this has been. Probably, and I, I think like, I don't know if I, I should really be on this podcast because I don't know if I have that much like substance to add other than making fun of Dan. I'd like to think that this is a topic where um, I, I have some insight uh, because of my experience over the past few years, but uh, take it away, Dan. Yeah, and, and obviously I think where, where you've kind of recently gone through this, I think obviously it's going to be a really interesting dis- discussion. Don't um, set the bar too high. It might well, suck. We don't know. Well, I mean, we can, as usual, we are just going to talk about how, like you said, a bad example of how to do things. Right. Know? Yeah. Well, I've, I've done that too. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, today we're talking about time crunch cycling. And it's, it's, it's one of those topics I've wanted to talk about for a while, but I don't, I've never really felt super qualified to talk about it because I usually kind of preach the opposite. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I like to, I like, I like low intensity. I like lots of volume. I like lots lots of time on the bike, time on the bike. That's kind of my approach to coaching. And I know that, you know, and I, I think for high schoolers that that's achievable. I mean, I think in high school you should be able to do that. You know, you shouldn't be so over programmed that you don't have, yeah. Like, I don't think you should really be a time crunch cyclist in high school. Like ideally in high school, you're not working, you know, like hopefully, and depending on your situation, hopefully most high schoolers don't have like a financial do or die. Like I have to go to work after school every day. Kind of. I know some of them do. I know some people are overloaded with extra, extracurriculars, but like in a perfect world, like you said, high school should be about getting good grades, setting yourself up for the future and getting an education, of course, but then having time to do 
fun things and learn skills and yeah. you know, become a, you know, you, you should have enough time to, to develop a good aerobic base and, Oh yeah. To you do know, a lot of writing to do, to do a good amount of writing, you know? Um, I mean, I guess was it last time or the time before we talked about not doing too much, but right. Um, but yeah, you know, so, so hope, and I, I kind of think that maybe some of you are probably thinking that you're not time crunch. This doesn't apply to you, but the thing is it will, it, yeah, if it, it doesn't, it will. At some point, it will. And and in fact, one of my biggest, like, I, I kind of feel like we've done just a really awesome job with with helping Nike kids do better and and do, you know, have more successful Nike seasons. And, and But I just don't think I've, I've done a good enough job helping kids continue to ride with us after they graduate. Because and it's hard. It, it's, it's very, it's really, really hard. It's really, really tricky. And, and so I think that, you know, if we kind of talk about some of these things and, and you kind of understand some of these concepts in advance, I'm hoping that when you do move on to a busier phase of life, that you can maintain this awesome fitness that you've, that you've built up. Cause there are a few, and it's not just college students, that's the obvious one, but also like, um, and I don't know if, if this is anybody that's on our team, but like, if you are, um, in your late twenties and just had your first kid. If you I'd say are, that's probably the hardest. That's probably the hardest. Or even, and you know what, like, I think if you're listening to this and you're in high school, this might not apply to you now. And if you're listening to this and you're one of those semi-retired 50, 60-year-old dudes that I know who have all the time in the world, and you're, this might not apply to you. But honestly, anybody in between, I mean, if you have, even if you're maybe in your 40s and you're established in your career and you have kids who aren't super young at home and stuff, you're still kind of time crunched. Like, you have a lot of commitments and stuff. Like, this isn't just the frazzled college student we think of, right? Like this, I think, like you said, this probably applies to more people than we realize, right? Oh, I, I think so. And I mean, like Carmichael training systems who, I mean, who actually coaches like Alex, Alex Grant. And I mean, they've, they have a whole bunch of clients. That's their whole thing Yeah, is they kind of focus on the time crunch clients, which really kind of makes sense. And like, yeah, I know trainer road, you know, that's, that's their, they, their kind of bread and butter is, you know, focusing on the more time crunch type people. And, and I kind of do feel like anytime people deal with time crunch, it's, I, I think it's like a lot of times there, there's, there's something to be sold or, yeah, you, you know? And so I, yeah. I've always kind of stayed away from it because, you know, I don't know if you have, I don't know if you've noticed Dan and I aren't here to sell you anything. I don't, yeah, I, I, I mean, we don't have anything to hawk. I, I make just we, as much if, if you do a, 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 a long endurance polarized thing versus time crunch. You know, it's all the same to me. We just, we're just trying to like get this information out there. So when you do kind of get to that era in life, you know, that, that there's options and there's ways to remain fit and fast and healthy, even though you don't have 15 hours a week to devote to training. Oh yeah. Know, so. and, and like anybody can become time crunched out of nowhere. You know, like maybe your your significant other has an injury or a chronic illness out of nowhere and you have to take care of that or you have to move out of state or you get a new job. Like, I don't think anyone should brush off. Like there will always be times in your life where you are at least somewhat time crunched. Well, I mean, right? this, you know, this, this whole moving thing that I just went through was super stressful. I was time crunched during this time. Right. For like a but month. For like a month. And yeah, for me, it was really nothing. tough because... Yeah. Like for me, my rides is kind of what I look for. It gets me through the it's day. It's your sanity. It's my sanity. I, right. You know, and once I found out I was going to have to move and we we're going through this process, I kind of made a little promise to myself that I'm like, okay, I am going to maintain some fitness through this. 
right gonna, you know, some some you gotta be realistic because you're never i mean when these bad things happen like you're never gonna have your best season ever when you're time crunched yeah. i mean is that i know that's kind of jumping in is that fair to say well yeah i was gonna just point out that like like um time being time crunch training is not better no no I mean, that sounds so obvious yeah like if you're thinking that well i could do the long slow version or the time crunch version and they'd be the exact same i might as well do the time they're not not how it works it, no. yeah like like you're not going to top 10 unbound time crunched you're probably not going to top half unbound time crunch you're not gonna you know but there's a lot of cool things you can do. Like you could win right. a midweek race or you could win 100%. a, you know, an expert I cup or something, right, right, right. you know, there's yeah. lots of awesome things you could do as a time crunch cyclist. Um, and, and I would say, you know, kind of just almost to sum up how I feel about it. I think time crunch training is not a great way to build fitness but it's an awesome way to maintain fitness. To hang on to what you built when you're not time crunched. Yeah, and like, you know, like where you guys are in high school right now, you've got some time to develop those really awesome zone two aerobic adaptations that take several years to develop, take a lot of time on the bike to develop. They don't disappear very slowly. They actually change your physiology forever, somewhat right? permanently. It is reversible, yeah. but it's slow. Yeah. And... You know, if you use that time to build that up, you know, when you get into like, you know, if you, when you go to college, go on missions, get families, you know, there's things that you can do to help maintain that throughout your, you know, throughout your twenties and thirties and, and so forth, you know, until you get a little more time in your forties and fifties. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's great for maintaining fitness, but I wouldn't, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's just not as, as quality of a way to build fitness. So like the, the alternative title for this episode could be like making the best of a bad situation, you know, kind of like maximizing what you can do given limited resources. Right. Cause I've, and I've heard before, like time is expensive, you know, like, uh, like, uh, people who, you know, people who have a lot of time, it's usually cause you have money, you know, you don't have to go to work. You don't have to, uh, maybe go to school. Like, um, oh yeah, time is really, really time, precious. I mean, time is the most. Like, time's what we're all chasing in our careers, right? We hope we're, we're we work for forty years, fifty years, or whatever. It's going to be sixty, seventy, probably for people my age, you know, so that we can have time, right? I mean, that's really what you're after more than anything, you know, is is the ability to not have to dedicate every waking moment to ensuring your stability, right? And I think it's a bummer that there's almost this culture of like wait until you're retired to do cool and fun things with your life. Um, and I think cycling is that great cool and fun thing that can be your kind of background pursuit or the pursuit that you actually care about that brings you meaning and stuff, you know, cause I, I doubt most people get that from their careers. Right. Is that super cynical or no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. You know, yeah. but, um, so, so I got, I was thinking about time crunch cycling and, you know, and, and, you know, when you, when you do kind of get into those eras of your life, I think it's important to ask why you, you know, why you want to be riding your bike at that point, because I think that would determine your approach to, to your training, you know, right. Like for instance, um, like, is it, you know, are you, do you want to ride because it's your fun escape and it's something you enjoy to do? It's a lot of fun. You know, that's, you know, you'd, you'd probably approach 
one way if that's why you did it, you know. Right. Um, you know, if it's something that you're doing to try to maintain some health and fitness and and quite frankly, like maintain weight, yeah. you know, a healthy body. Not something for everyone, but relevant, yeah, but there for, are, relevant for you and me. You know, like you know. you guys, you know, the 15, 16 year old boys and girls don't, don't have to worry about, about it. That. But when you're like, yeah. when you get in your 20s, 30s, you know, you kind of, it's something you kind of have to start worrying about a little bit more. Yep. Um, or, or maybe even, you know, do you want to actually continue to be competitive, you know, like after you get off your missions or after you, you know, while right. you're going to college or, right, right, right. Do, I mean, do you used to want to be able to still show up at an I cup and, and win in the elite field or something, you know, I mean, that, right. so, so I think there's, there's kind of like what you want to do would determine how you do it. And of course it's comp it's complicated. The people on a win I cups are still doing this to have fun too. Right. Yeah. But it, I think but, it's, I think it is instructive to think like, like, is this a fun mental health escape break for me or do I need to, cause like for, and, and like to jump ahead a little bit, like the third factor was not important to me over the past three or four years. Like competition was like a G tier concern for me. I'm, I'm like, I have a lot of stress. I'm having a hard time handling the stress that I do have. I already struggle with competitive stress. I want to ride to keep some amount of uh, fitness to be, be it's good for me. It's good for my head and it's fun. And so I think maybe kind of like, and maybe somebody where it's all three, but like, what would your approach be if you're like, I just need to scratch a competitive itch or I just need to have fun. Like, how do you think? Well, so, so if it's just kind of your fun escape, I would say, you know, just set a goal to get out a certain number of times a week and just go yep. ride and have fun. My worry about that though is that would be really easy to put on the back burner once you start getting really, really busy. Yeah, that's the one. It's not a bad goal, but like the, the comparison would be like um, uh, Gran Turismo is, is the car racing video game. That is my fun thing. I, I keep the PlayStation at, at your house, Dan, and, and like sometimes on Sundays after family dinner, I like to play Gran Turismo because it's really fun, right? Purely fun. I don't, it's not competitive for me. It does nothing for my mental health, but like, I don't play it enough. I'm always, I'm like, ah, that's fun. I need to go do that. But like, it's, it's always like, I have work. I have my significant other. I have other things. Like if, if cycling was that for me, I would be riding my bike once every two weeks, which I think what a lot of people do. I think that's and, what a lot of people do. I think it's a fun escape for most people. Right. And because of that, it easily gets put on the back burner. And for high school students and, and especially young youth, like junior diva like fun should be the main reason you do this right you know but like once you're you know once you're past high school and when all those priorities stack up something just being fun isn't enough yeah like it's like got to be a little more out, than being fun and, and like if you're listening to you believe me you will cut out things that are just fun because you will not have time to do everything if something's just fun that's not good enough exactly and and you know what i think you should cut those things out if something is just fun you might have to give it up a little bit to get homework done, you know, to file a scholarship application. Like if it's your significant other, that's probably worth it. If it's really good for your health, that's probably worth it. But if it's just like Gran Turismo for me is just fun. It gets cut out a lot because I have other stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, like you, if you're time crunch, you should cut out playing with your phone. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things you should cut out when you're time crunch that right. are fun, but you just don't have time. And, and honestly, like if you have that relationship with cycling, I don't know if this podcast is for you because it's fine. Like, I don't think the people who ride their bike once every two weeks, that's great. I, I just, you know, like that's not the audience we're speaking. I doubt anybody's listening to this. Yeah, like, we're, hope, oh, I, we're hoping to get to motivate people to do more than that, you know, throughout right. their twenties and thirties is, yeah. is kind of my yeah, goal. That's yeah. 
you know, the second one I mentioned is, you know, for like health reasons and to, to try and like maintain a healthy body. Oh yeah. You know, healthy mind. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's kind of the, my main motivation really. I mean, it's fun and fun for me is kind of like a a bonus that it's fun. Right. Like I do this even when it, like I read the writing, the trainer's not fun. I need the trainer every day for my mental health in the winter. I mean, you're the same, right? I'm the same. Like I don't do it for fun, but it makes me happier than if I don't do it. Right. You know, and like when I'm, I'm actually riding out in the trails and right, then it's fun. And that's just like a huge bonus. Oh yeah. You know? No, I don't ride bikes cause it's fun. I've actually had to correct people on that before. I'm like, I do a, like I said, Gran Kid, Turismo. Kids should. <laughs> right. And of course, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. The kids Lots should. of hedging in this episode, but like Gran Turismo is fun and that's it. And that's why I play the Gran Turismo video game. Riding bikes, like the, like you said, the fun is like a cool. Yeah. Kind of like we said, like a couple of podcasts ago, it needs to either be fun or rewarding. Right. Or maybe I, both. Ideally yeah. both. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my main motivation and that's kind of why I wanted to keep doing it while I was time crunched recently. And, then, um, you know, but then there's, there's a lot of writers too, you know, like you got your Gabe Nordas and, um, your Zach Colton's and, you know, yeah. they're, they're busy people, but they still, you know, I think they're competitively motivated. Yeah. In they're a, way competi- that a yeah. lot of people aren't. And if you're not, that's fine. I don't want to feel like, I feel like a lot of times when people talk about it, it's like a moral failing. If you're not like competitively motivated, that's fu- like we encourage racing because we see a correlation between caring about racing and staying in cycling. But like, our, like my little brother, Jacob, he rides as much as I do. And he doesn't want a thing to do with racing. Um, I think the important thing for Dan and I, and, and like, again, jumping ahead here is that you ride your bike as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and we find that like competitive correlates with higher rates of, retention and cycling it does. is that fair it, and it's like and it's so hard to say because yeah. it's like yeah, you got your johnny osgathorpes you know I'm, I'm never going to discourage racing but i do want to like if you hate racing that's fine still ride your bike but maybe consider racing occasionally because it's good for you you know yeah but you know so you've got like those those three kind of main reasons that you would you'd want to stay in the sport and keep and keep working at it um i think we're mostly going to address those that are concerned with the latter two Right. You know, that want to stay healthy, stay, you know, not lose all your fitness that you developed through your high school days. Right. Um, and even be able to throw your hat into an occasional eye cup or something and do fine, you know, or even do really, really well. You know, you could move on, kind of move on to be a local pro. And yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think a lot of that can be done if you use your time wisely. I, I think, you know if you are approaching kind of a, a time crunched era of your life, I think there's a couple things that you really need to do. One is I think you just need to have some type of a goal. Yes. You know, like you want, and I don't know what that goal would be, but it could be like, you want to, you just want to, to stay as healthy as you can possibly be, or you want to be able to do crusher or point to point or, yeah. or, or you want to do the, the, the iCup series. I'm such a big fan of the iCup series. For, oh, yeah. I mean, props to the iCup. It's, it's, it's a legitimate race. You feel like you're actually entering a race. Oh yeah. You know, there's tape put up, there's it a finish line. Well you go under as USAC. and yeah. you know, but you it, can kind of just pick and choose and show up and, but it doesn't matter is the nice thing. About yeah. It. You yeah. know, and, and I really, I really wish more kids would do that post NICA. Yeah. I wish the expert fields would be so much bigger than they are. Oh yeah. So, you know, challenge me and the other expert guys, man, there's like 20 of us, which is way too small. There should be way more, you know? Yeah. You know, so, you know, if you're time crunched, sign up for some races, cause that's going to like, 
it's just going to give you a little bit of motivation to get out and do a little bit more work because you know you got a race coming up and you know you're going to have some coming up. So, and to speak to the health thing too, like another good goal would be like keep my blood pressure under this number. You know, I think that's a totally valid yeah. one. Like if you're, and that's probably mostly keep your people. body composition at a certain point. Sure, and, and of course, always the hedging with with body image and weight loss and stuff. But it is, it is. You know, having a healthy weight does correlate. And we're talking more to the 20 or 30 year old you, not the 14, 15. 40, 50 year old you. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like you, you had significant weight loss at, you know, in what, late 30s? Yeah. When you got into the sport and it's correlated with a huge improvement in your, like you've probably added a decade to your life by doing this. Oh, right? I feel like so much better now. Yeah. Then I do, I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. In fact, it was funny. This, kind of a little sidebar i was like i was like walking by uh someone's yard and this little teeny dog comes running out and just starts growling and yapping oh yeah you know and i'm like i'm like that dog does it realize how little it is and how unstrong it is this and really is a tangent it well, is I was a like, tangent I'm I'm going, no it's it's going somewhere okay and i got thinking about it, like i was i was out riding with some kids the other day yeah and I kind of sometimes forget how old I am. I, oh, I kind of yeah. like, it's like I identify as a young person, you know, I feel like, I, you know, I still kind of feel like I could just go to high school still, you know, I feel really, right. really good. Like people are always looking for like the cure to aging or whatever. I'm like, have, have you seen some of these like masters cyclists, man? Like yeah, they are in I, unbelievably good shape, you know? Like I mean, I really feel good, healthy and young right now, you know? I how mean, many billions of dollars does this, like the aging industry make when people could just go out and spend the same billions of dollars on bikes, you know? Like it's, it's, I, I mean, even from, and this is like a way less, like I'm 24. I feel way the heck better now than I did when I was 19, you know? Like, yeah, yeah cycling so yeah, really I, keeps you, I, I, if you're listening to this and that's a motivator for you. Yeah, I basically I, I identify as a young person. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, but yeah. So you know, so so with um, with time crunch cycling, what would you say is the general gist of time crunch cycling versus what we would normally teach our riders to do? Um, we teach. And I don't know if we should, but we teach from an ideal condition standpoint, like in physics class in high school, it's like disregard aerodynamics was at the bottom of every single problem. Like imagine perfect hypothetical conditions. This is what you do. I think time crunched is really like, and, and depending on how time crunched you are, is cycling for the real world. You know, like, and the example, like for when I, when I graduated from high school, I started working almost immediately. I had to pay um, for my own school entirely until the very end um, for a complicated variety of reasons. Um, so I needed to pay my way. I started working full-time right out of high school and the schedule that I was on for three-ish years until COVID interrupted things and changed my, um, time distribution was that I would go to work at seven in the morning. I'd want to clock in by seven, be in the office at seven, be done at three 30 and have like half an hour ish until I'd get to, um, the Salt Lake community college campus. And then I would spend my evening until at least seven or eight, sometimes 9 PM there doing all my classes I was doing like basically a full-time course load and 40 hours of work a week. And, um, I I'd, I'd schedule it so that in the summer I had a day or two where I didn't have classes in the afternoon. I'd do my rides. And then in the winter, I mean, I'd go out and I'd ride or I'd, I'd get on the trainer and I'd ride 30, 45, hopefully an hour, you know, hopefully 60 minutes on the trainer after I got home from, um, class and I'd be finishing my trainer rides at 10, 11 PM. 
and then in the summers when it would be really hot, um, I, I, do, I do a lot of night riding. So I, I have, I have I had a, a road bike and I would go out and I'd start a ride at 9 p.m., you know, all the time in the summer. And like, I remember finishing a ride at like 1 a.m. one time because I started way, way late. Like, I'm not necessarily going to endorse any of that. And you're, if you were listening to this as like a professional trainer, you're like, you'd never have a professional athlete do it. But for me, like, speaking super candidly, like there was a certain amount of calories I needed to burn to keep, you know, cause weight's a concern for me. I, I have, I have heavy genes in my family. I was, uh, clinically overweight as a early adolescent until I got into cycling and that's correlated with high blood pressure and other problems for me. So again, shouldn't be a concern for you unless your doctor says, but my doctor did say, um, you know, like the, the calories were being burned. My heart was being worked. Um, and then for me, there was also just like the mental health aspect of I've done 45 minutes on the trainer. I feel good. I get that post-exercise endorphin load. But, but given that it was just fit riding in where you can. Were you still getting a good seven hours of sleep? No. Okay. Nope. Uh, I, cause that, that is kind of the conundrum there a little bit. And again, know. I'm not saying here's how I perfectly did time crunch cycling. I'm saying this is like real world application. Um, now COVID was actually really nice for me because it forced my employer to let me work from home um, and, it, and and for my school as well. And I'm, I'm personally a big advocate of work from home. I think it makes a lot of sense and my productivity and everything has been really good. I, you know, um, my sleep got a lot better, you know, cutting out my commute. I, I, I reclaimed probably an hour of sleep a day um, and that helped a lot. But I, I can tell you, and maybe we'll, I'll let you do this as you want with the flow, but like I've had good and bad time crunch experiences, things that work and things that didn't. But that's the kind of general flow that's informing my point of view. Mm-hmm. Just kind of So that's kind forward. of your personal experience. Yes, there. yeah. So I would say that I think most people, when they think of time crunch cycling, they think the general gist of it is that since you can't do as much volume, you're naturally just going to have to increase the intensity, right? And, and that is something I did and still even continue to do and will not necessarily defend, but keep practicing. <laughs> yeah. And I do think that that's what most, I mean, it just kind of sounds logical and it, it makes sense. Kind of makes sense. It's, it's really not the case. I think that's a pretty common misconception. And, and I think something that, that people tend to get wrong. Um, it's, I guess it's like, I heard somewhere the analogy of like, you know, cooking a turkey, you know, usually you cook it at 300 degrees for six hours or seven hours. I have no idea how to cook a turkey. Sounds But, you know, what if you cooked it at like 500 degrees for two hours? Would it what be? if you cooked it at 5,000 degrees for 20 minutes? Yeah, it's it's not, it's not all the same, same thing, you know. That's so. a good analogy. I usually don't like your analogy. I didn't make that one up. I okay, heard. I think fine. I probably heard it on Fast Talk or something. <laughs> so thanks. But, um, but you know, like intensity is not it, a replacement for volume. Right? It really isn't. You're going to be doing the same amount of intensity. You're just gonna. It's just going to be accompanied by less lower intensity work. Right. 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 You know. So you're not going to do more intensity work than you would if you were doing like a normal polarized type training plan. I mean, I guess your ratio obviously isn't going to be 80, 20, like, yeah, like it would be in the ideal world, which, you know, that number isn't really an exact number anyway. Right. Um, you know, I, I mean, so I've told, you know, I've told people in the past kind of as a general rule, you know, like, you know, once, sometimes twice a week, you do a really, really hard workout and the rest should be 
you know, like kind of the zone two type work. And, you know, with time crunched, it's similar, you know, you still wouldn't want to do more than one, probably two high intensity workouts a week, you know? Right. Um, and in fact, when you're time crunched, you're actually less good at absorbing those type of workouts because your base isn't as sufficient as it is if you've done a lot of volume. So, you know, intensity is, is a really, really powerful medicine and, and there's implications if you use too much of it, you know, uh, and so like the Carmichael training system, which they, you know, they kind of like literally wrote the book on, on, on time crunch training, you know, kind of what they recommend is they'll have like periods where you're, where you will do like six weeks of work that incorporates high intensity training. And then you'll do six weeks that only does endurance based training, even though they're only short workouts, but they won't. And and they have you kind of plan your season based on those, those six weeks blocks, you know, and so forth, you know, but they don't have you doing high intensity all year round, which I think that's what most people tend to do when they start to get time crunched is they just, you know, they try and make every ride be hard. Yep. And yeah, like I have time, I'm going to ride hard. Why, Why ride easy if I have time was my like naturally where my brain went. Yeah. You know, like what's the point of a one hour easy ride? And th- and I get that, you know, that, yeah. that is, you know, but really if you're trying to do intensity every single day, it just doesn't ever yeah, go well for a, an extended period of time. Um, the other thing to avoid when, when your time crunch training is, you know, you, you just don't want to get in the rut where you're just doing the same kind of hard ride every yeah. time you get a chance. Guilty. So very guilty. I will say that the routine can be very helpful if you're time crunched. Like um, I had the same loop I do on my road bike. It was predictable. I knew exactly how long it took me um, under different conditions and stuff. Uh, it was comforting. Like you might not, you might have to leave exploring a fun new trail to the wayside because like I, you don't have time to find the new trailhead and be looking at your map every like you like fight for the scraps is, mm-hmm. is was uh, kind of my um, mentality where it's like, I have an hour, I'm going to make the most of it. Now making the most of it doesn't mean that you're sprinting and crushing yourself for that whole hour every time you do it. But I would say like, um, get used to riding roads on your mountain bike sometimes, you know, like, uh, time spent putting your bike on a rack and driving to a trailhead is time you could be riding. And so you have to make intelligent sacrifices, which sucks, but you know, like a college education is important and having meaningful relationships is important and having kids is important. So yeah, so that I mean that was side. kind of the next thing I wanted to get to. Oh, sorry. Know, we kind of well we kind of talked about like you know things, typical pitfalls that people get into when they're doing time crunch. Right. Training. Yeah. You know now I want to talk about like how to make that time count. Yeah. You know because because when you're dealing with well first of all, I think when people say time crunch cycling, I think usually that means like eight hours or less, but I think it can also mean like you know, six, five hours. Yep. And the thing is when you're in that range, like five hours is going to be noticeably different than four hours. Oh yeah. And oh, it's, it's, it's like, it, yeah, it's exponentially better. Almost, yeah. You know. and, and exactly. And eight hours is a lot better than seven. Oh, yeah. So it's like you're, you know, every extra hour you're able to squeeze in is, is, is going to make a huge deal. difference, you know? Yeah. And that's why, you know, I mean, you might have time to drive to the trail and have fun on the weekend, but during the weekday, you know, um, you're going to need to make it. So, 
you can get on the bike and be working out in as little time as possible. When it's the winter, have the bike on the trainer ready to go. You click Zwift on the laptop and you you hit it, you know. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about this before, but just basically just having things ready to go so it doesn't take you a half hour yeah. to get on your bike every time. Because if, you know, if it takes you a half hour to get on your bike every single time, that adds up to a couple hours a week that you could have spent. Which will be huge. Yeah, that's it makes a huge difference. And, you know, I've, I'm a big trainer fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, time spent on the trainer, it's not as much fun. No. But... You, there's no stop signs. It's you can you can really really like. I think um, I think it's the, just the ideal place to do zone two interval, the zone two work because it's really hard to do zone. Two, it's almost impossible to do zone two work on a mountain bike on a trail. Yeah, and it's fairly difficult to do it on a road bike. Um, but you know, you could do it on a trainer. You could listen to like lectures. You could. Oh, do, I would do that you during know, COVID. I do that all, if I had to go to a lecture. I don't, I don't you know, I don't have my camera on. Hop on the trainer, listen to that. You yeah, know, you it's know, been easy. Yeah, you can you can do a zone two ride and listen to a lecture or something. Um, oh, and also like we live in Utah. Like um, I during the winter, like I'm getting home from class at eight p.m. in January. You know, like the trainer's all all you've got. Um, like don't let people trainer shame you. Like you know, I think if you're riding the trainer on a on a beautiful june afternoon where trails are dry that's weird but like have a trainer but you know during whatever cost it's the best you well, i've one. been i've been using the trainer a lot lately just because i'm like you know what i've only got two hours i would rather spend that two hours entirely in zone two rather than like yeah. when i have zoom meetings sometimes that are like like a long town hall that's going to take an hour and a half i'll totally hop on my on my on my trainer yeah if if you are approaching a time crunched era of your life I think a trainer will be invaluable and I would invest the time and effort into having it a dedicated setup that Yep, you don't have to take the bike on and off, changing cassettes, adapters, whatever. Yeah, that you can you basically throw on a pair of bibs and put in your headphones and start moving your legs, you know. Do do it. It's like in a trainer's I mean, you'll probably spend 3-400 bucks realistically. It doesn't have to be fancy. It uh, doesn't even necessarily have to be a smart trainer. Like just I I think I think though a smart trainer, a Zwift membership, stuff like that. Like that, like that money is worth it. It'll pay dividends when it's, you're time crunched. It's, I know it's a lot as a college. I can tell you, I know it's a lot, but like, um, it's worth it. hundred percent worth it. Yeah. So, so that's huge. Um, and you know, another thing to throw out there too is, is getting a pair of running shoes, mm -hmm. you know, yep. um, running is like, in a half hour running, you can get a killer workout. Oh yeah. You know, 45 minutes of running, you can get an even more killer workout. You know, oh, it's, yeah. uh, just want to throw that out there. It's going to help maintain a lot of fitness and, and health and, and, you know, but so the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is, is, is training density. So, you know, and this is something I've just been kind of learning a little bit about lately, you know, and I think that, you know, you would, you would kind of think that, it would be better to just carve out a little bit of time every single day to do some riding and training, you know, that kind of seems like that would make sense. Right. Yeah. Um, but the more I've learned about it, it's actually probably better to maybe have only two days during the week or three where you set aside more time, you know, okay. rather than like, rather than setting aside like an hour every single day during the week, 
you know, to maybe have two or three days during the week where you oh, set aside like an hour and a half or two. Um, because, well, there's a couple of things is, is one, you know, you're only having to hunt for the shoes and helmet and bibs three times a week, three times five. a week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which could save like an extra hour during the week, you know, so right. you have more time on those other days to devote to things. And, and also, you know, on a, on a bike ride, there's a huge difference between the first hour of a ride and yeah. then that next half hour. Right, right, right. You know, or even better the next hour, you know, right. like the magic's not happening in the first 30 minutes generally. Right? Yeah. You know, so, and, and that's, that's what they call training density, you know, like, oh, interesting. and, and it's almost better to, you know, rather than do it every day to maybe make, do it a couple times a day, but try and get a, like an hour and a half workout or, you know, I mean, a two hour workout is probably a big ask for a, a, a really time crunch cyclist. But, okay. So hypothetical college student me, um, working from seven to three or from nine to five or whatever, you're saying load all the classes into a couple of days to give bigger open days later instead of taking a little, doing a, a, a little bit of class every single day, right? Yeah. Like, let me just jump to the, exactly my recommendation. Okay. Okay. Because um, what I would recommend is, you know, say you're super time crunched and you barely have time to ride. I would try and get at least two days during the week where you have, where you can set aside an hour and a half for your bike rides or okay. two hours. It'd be much better. Okay. Okay. That's, you know, that's three two hours. hours of ride time is what you're yeah. saying, right? Or an hour and a half of ride, or two hours of workout, an hour and a half of ride time or whatever. Not, not a two hour block. Cause if you're driving to a trailhead and back, that's no, one I, hour and, riding, and we're right? saying this is going to be, on, yeah, okay. I, I, we're going to say this is going to be on the trainer on, a, on, you're going to um, hop outside and ride the road. Okay. All right. Okay. So give yourself like an hour and a half to two hours, two times during the week. But then on the weekend, you've got to carve out time for the long rides. And if you can give like, you know, if you can do those two, those two hour and a half rides, two hour rides during the week and a long three or four hour ride on the weekend, you're going to maintain, you're going to maintain a lot of fitness. You're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to win expert eye cups and, and compete in elite eye cups with, you know, if it, I think that would be, you'd be surprised how much that can, that could maintain. Oh yeah. It would do, obviously it's going to do so much more than if you just casually, you know, for fun, go out every other week and go on a ride and do bobsled or whatever. Right. And I, I, I don't want to shame the person who does that, but I do think it is true that if you compare person A who does what you recommended and person B, who's the occasional bobsled warrior, person A is going to stay in cycling. I think cycling is going to have a bigger effect on person A's life. I think all things being equal, person A will be happier. Is that, because again, I don't, like if you want to go and ride your person bike. Person B is the bobsled guy, right? Right, yeah. Well, and the thing with the bobsled guy is like, if you only go out every other week, you're gonna, every time you go, you're just not gonna feel fit. Right, And so it won't be as fun. It's not as much fun if you're no. not fit. No. One thing I do want to throw out, and I, I think I think you'll agree with this generally, is like, don't let um, what's it? Don't let perfect be the enemy of uh, good enough or whatever. Good enough. 
Um, good enough is fine. Like, don't have a perfection mentality if you're going to be time crunched. Nothing is going to be perfection. No, this isn't ideal. Crunched. And for me, like, like really, like I did not do what Dan is saying. Like, for me, mentally, I need a bike ride every day or almost every day. Like, I don't want to cram it. I need. I will be a happier person if I'm on my bike at least once a day. Um, for me, it was motivating to go out and do a really not ideal kind of hard with some sprints and some, you know, I love hitting this hill. Like if that's what it takes to get you on the bike consistently, I'd say, I'd say do it. Oh yeah. And that's way better than it's better. Than, but like I, and, and like look at the race results that I do have over the past years, they weren't great. I, I let, I let fitness go. My power numbers weren't great. I didn't do great in races. I dropped from the pink group to a lower group. Um, but I don't know if I do it another way going back because I know that at the other end, I'm still here still super motivated to ride cycling has been the good part of my life for the past few years. So like, um, but the important thing is you did stay consistent and you did. Right. And you know know what? I think it would be great if I would have done more, um, and maybe been a little more dedicated, like not dedicated, but, um, deliberate with how I did it. Maybe I could have had some better race results, but I'm like, if you're listening to this and you have a type A personality, like, let that go a little bit, do what you can. And if, if, if you can only motivate yourself to get out and ride and, and it's, and you'd rather do an hour a day than two hours on Tuesday and Thursday or whatever, that's fine too. Do it. That's fine. We're just saying like, if you can, this would be perfect. But again, anyone time crunch to do whatever you can as much as you can and fight for the scraps. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Right. So, yeah. So, so basically Try and set aside, and the, and the thing is, is these two days a week, or, or hopefully three, because three would be way oh, better yeah. than That's, two. Yeah. You know, yeah. anything you can get is going to make it better. Yeah. But if you can just, but you're going to have to set aside this time. It mm-hmm. can't be leftover time because no. you won't have leftover time. No. This has to be something that you schedule with yourself. You've got this goal in mind that you want to be adequate for, and you set aside this time where, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays from eight o'clock until 10 o'clock or whatever, yep. you know, you've, you've got your trainer workout or you're, you're going to hop out on your mountain bike and ride it around the streets. And, you know, in those workouts, um, I, I think structured intervals are more time efficient. Yep. You know, most, most speed for your buck. Yeah. You're going to get out of those, right? You know, I would do one of those a week and then another, another one of the rides, I would just try and lock yourself into zone two and yep. try and stay as perfectly in zone two as you can for an hour yep. and a half. And it's going to maintain a lot of fitness. And then I, you guys know how I feel about big, long rides. I think it's, it's, there's just magic in the big, long rides. Um, on Saturdays, on the weekends, you've got to be able to find you know, I've been extremely time crunched. I've been the busiest person ever. You can always find three hours on a weekend to go to, right. you right. know, to go do a Even if it's ride. every other weekend, if you're doing every other weekend, a big long ride, that's yeah. great. You know, and, and you can split them up into two rides if that makes it easier. Sure. You know, I mean. Take what you can get. Can I provide two random um, helpful hints that have been really, or tips that have been good for me? Sure. The first is audiobooks were huge for me. Um, there's a lot of required reading if you're going to go to college. Um, a lot of it is available as an audiobook. A lot of it's available as an audiobook for free. On those long rides, like I'd be like, hey, if I'm going to be sitting on a chair reading a book, like I may as well listen to it on the bike. Take that time on the bike, you know. And the other is um, I have invested a lot of time in, in uh, Tessa, who you heard from a couple of weeks ago, as, as like a project. You know, I'm going to teach Tessa how to ride, get her, get her into it. Like for me, I, I deliberately structured. Like I know that Tessa... 
um, and I ride at different paces, I'm going to deliberately say, I will try to do a really hard ride the day before so that I need an easy ride and I'll go do that ride with Tessa. Like be like, if you're it, like, if your boyfriend is, you're just getting him into riding and stuff, um, uh, maybe say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go, we have time on Mondays and Wednesdays. I'm going to go ride with my boyfriend on these days and he's slower than me. And we'll, we'll do that. Like, um, be, be deliberate with this stuff. Like well, take, you know, take whatever you can get. And I think that that's one of the cool things about signing up to be a coach. Right. Is right Cause yeah. you have to show up. Oh, and like and, we were saying before, like, like make it into time, make that time your Maybird ride. If you can like know that like, Hey, my Maybird rides are going to be at this time. I'm going to make sure I don't have classes at that time because if there's a ride going on, you're way more likely to end up riding if your buddies are looking for you. Right. You know, and I'm willing to, you know, if, if we've got like post Nike kids that want to coach a group, I'm willing to put you with the fastest group you can keep up, you know, yep. so you're going to get some kind of, you know, you're yeah. at least going to burn a lot of calories with these guys. Pro- my, girls, green, you know? my green group, if you're a boy listening to this in college, like, you know, like, uh, come along, even if it's a push for you, do it, you know, like, like we might be more willing to put you in a faster group than we normally would, because if that's what you need right now, then we'll give it to you. Yeah. Cause, and this is, and I don't know if we're ready to close yet. But, I think so. Yeah. I think um, I don't want to close on like a sad note. Um, finishing high school, it's almost like this filter that riders pass through. Most riders don't make it through the filter. Like most riders, even really good, really, really good um, riders. Like I always tell guys, like I, I think I was 12th overall in my varsity class um, in 2016, 2017. Um, the vast majority of the guys who finished above me don't ride anymore. But some do. But some do, right? And and I think one of the the one goal with Maybird and Dan, and I think you'd agree, is like we've done a lot of things well, and I think we've done decently well on this. But our big goal is like we want more kids to get through that filter and come out the other side. We do because right now it seems like only the Gabe Nordas and the Zach Caltons get through that filter, and I want normal people to get through that filter. You know, like, Gabe and Zach. It's not that you're not normal. It's just that you're well, they're extraordinary. You're freaks. I'm yeah. sorry. There's no other way to say it. Like go ride with Gabe Norda and see if you can call him anything else. But um, not enough kids make it through that filter. A lot of kids, inv- and you know what? I don't think it's like a waste of time if you don't make it through the filter, but in a way it kind of is because you've spent a lot of time honing yourself as this athlete to do this really specific sport really well. And it is such a shame when you let that go. Mm. And I don't want to like say that in a judgy way because like it is unbelievably hard to not let that go. But I I don't even want to think about what my life would be like without this sport. And I think there are a lot of people who probably have the ability to, to keep grasp of something, not perfect, you know, like not, not you podiuming on in varsity, but like hang on to it. And then when things clear up a little bit, like my life got his, you know, in the past year or so has things have calmed down. I have a little more time. I was telling Dan, like, I feel so good this year. I hung on for the past four or five years. It took me a long time to get through college. I hung on to a little bit and that building back from losing that 20% or 30% or whatever I lost is so much easier than starting from square one. You know, it, you, this might be like hyperbolic, but like your life could be twice as good. You know, like you, you taking that, you know, grabbing at those scraps, really fighting hard for the next four or five years, whatever, if just entering college, or if you're going to serve an LDS mission or whatever that is, um, you, your 50 year old self will thank you. Like you will be in such a different place if you just hang on to this, because if you don't statistically, you're probably not going to bring it back. And if you do, you'll bring it back when you're in your forties and your kids do NICA. 
and that mm-hmm. sucks. Like, take take hold of whatever you can, grab it by the hair, and do not let it go if you can help it. Wow. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you know what? You weren't very funny today. No. Well, you know, it's <laughs> like a lot of these, like I'm listening and you've prepared this like beautiful, well-researched, nuanced stuff. I'm just thinking like, why am I on this podcast? I'm so insecure. Like I have nothing substantial to offer when you're talking about like mitochondrial density. And so I'm just like, oh, you said that word wrong. I'm going to replay that 10 <laughs> times, you know, like, no, but really like today, like this is what's important to me. And like, this is why like, I, I coach the group that I do right now is because these are kids who are on like the green boys are all on the cusp of being time crunched. And so I'm trying to show them like, you know, so I really believe in this. I promise I'll, I'll be back mocking Dan so hard next week. You won't even believe it, but um, no, this really matters to me. Like, like I hate being sincere, Joe and, and squeezing sincerity out of me is so hard. Sincere Joe like is, is coming out here. Like this is my hill to die on. It's one of my hills to die. I have a lot of hills to die on, but this is one of them. And some of them are more important than others, I think. Yeah, you know. I you know the funny thing is I know you're my dad and you love me, but I don't I don't I, you can't. There's no way you like me. I am like I am everything you hate. <laughs> like the people that Dan likes are the people who aren't uh like me, but you know, that's okay cuz you're still my dad. I do I like you, you Joe, right? just for the record, but we yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is, we didn't really, this got really the, weird. We didn't really stick the light. We just had like a weird, like romance moment there. No, I don't know. I don't know. We'll keep this. Can we hug I don't on? know if I stuck the landing. No, this is it. But this is important. No, yeah. no, no. But this is important to me. You know, like I, I, well, it's important to me too, because like I went through a period in my life where I got super busy and so I neglected sleep. I neglected exercise. I just started eating crap yep. because I was so busy yep. and it almost killed me. And I oh, was, yeah. I felt like garbage. I wasn't happy. No, my everything hurt all the time. And you know, and it's like getting on a bike completely changed who I was as a person. And you know, and it took a lot of time and it's taken a lot of time, but you know, like I I feel like a young person right now. You don't look like one, but just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That was mean. Uh, no, but like, and, and like, I, I wasn't being hyperbolic before and I said it probably added 10 years to your life. Do you, do you think that's oh. like, I think about what, what is 10 years of a human life worth? I mean, what's that worth? Like your family and your spouse and stuff, you know, cause there's someone listening to this. I know there's someone listening to this where they're in like a spot like you were, where you just like, your mental health sucks, your health, you're not riding enough, you know, like, um, that, that'll kill you. I was reading an article the other day about this little island off Greece where like people routinely live to be over a hundred, like their life expectancy is in like the mid nineties and just talking about like the lifestyle, it's like a stress-free place to live. And that's not practical. It's not going to be everywhere and it shouldn't be everywhere. But like, if you're living a high stress life, like you were and stuff like that, and just like, eating at the Maverick all the time. Cause that's what's easy. And that's what your body needs to get through the insane stress days. Like you're, you're going to die in your sixties and seventies where like, you know, like look at like the masters I cup group. Those guys are, are dying in their 130s, man. I swear. Like, you know, if medicine keeps advancing and these guys keep riding, they're going to live forever, you know? Yeah. And like, how much would you spend for another life or for another like year of life with your family? Like, like any amount of money. And I'm just telling you to go spend $10,000 on a bike, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's fair. I'm know? telling you to go ride the bike. I, th- I, I don't know. 
I spending money motivated me to ride. I'm like, I might need to use my backcountry discount on a shiny new pair of shoes to get me out this week. But, um, I don't know how to end here. I don't know. Go ride your bike. If you have questions, uh, if you don't have a lot of time, still go ride your bike. Yeah. If you don't have a lot of time, you need to cut stuff like cut this podcast or know. listen to it while you're doing a zone two ride on your trainer. Hey, there, we get people who do that all the time. Like, what kind of a masochist do you have to be to do a zone two ride on the trainer listening to this? <laughs> like, to get through any ride on the trainer, I have to listen to, like, like, death, like satanic death metal just <laughs> to get through, like, a zone two ride. Like, you're always, like, watching, like an, MTV, like, an MTV music video, and I'm like, you have no idea what I have to do mentally to get myself through a trainer yeah uh, i love the trainer actually but yeah we i'm gonna go ahead and click the we, stop, we'll stop. Button. i just don't know how to this app. yeah anyway thank you all for listening uh, uh if you have any questions uh you know what to do with them and and we'll be back next week with a more focused and less all over the place episode